a family business founded in 1977, Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven is an award-winning garden and lifestyle destination. Find an unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments at our stores in Lachlan Bridge, County Carlow and Kilquaid, County Wicklow. Arboretum.ie Tuesday nights from 6 until 7 on KCLR. This is The Garden Show with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Hello and welcome along to The Garden Show with myself, Paul Smith. This week we've got a packed schedule as ever. Uh, first of all, we have Brian McCarty of the Cork Rooftop Farm. He's going to talk to us a bit about urban gardening and growing your own veg and all to do with that. I'm also heading over to Bagnallstown to talk to John Murphy and have a look at the gardens in the Beam Centre just on the edge of Bagnallstown. And our how-to section, we will have Anne Sinnott in from the Arboretum in Kilquaid and we'll be talking all things planters, hanging baskets, beds, baskets and borders anything you want to know about plants for that we're going to be talking about that this evening first of all a small bit of gardening news a couple of things that are coming up uh, worth taking a note of uh, first one being this coming Sunday uh, the RHSI Rusborough show is happening in Blessington in County Wicklow um, I myself will be talking there later on uh, at about 2 o'clock in the day and there's a whole load of hosts um, there including Dermot Gavin who's going to be one of the main people on the stage there'll be lots of people selling plants and what have you uh, and a whole festival of garden activities as well as two of the garden. Uh, the other one being a little closer to home, the Rare and Special Plant Fair, uh, the following week it has been moved, was going to go to Huntington Castle, it is now going to Burris in County Carlow. And the final one being the house, uh, the plant sale in Roth House, which we spoke about last week, is on Saturday, May the 20th uh, from 10am. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back straight over to talk to Brian McCarthy from Cork Roof Talk Farm. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie And welcome back to The Garden Show. Now on the line I have Brian McCarthy, uh, one of the co-founders of the Cork Rooftop Farm down in Cork, to talk all about that and explain a little bit about urban gardening. How are you doing, Brian? Hey, Paul, how are you keeping? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, so, good, good. Brian, people who don't know about uh, this whole concept of a rooftop farm, it, it sounds a bit bonkers, uh, to be honest. What's <laughs> what's the story? Uh, can you just give a bit of a background into uh, why sure. you put a farm up on the top of a roof down in Cork? Yeah, I guess um, it was a few things conspired and circumstance and situation were 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 the main factors so i i live in the heart of cork city center and i i run a wholesale flower and plant business and basically when lockdown came in around three years ago now during covid um i was confined to the my, my own three kilometer radius around where i lived um and i had no garden area but i had access out into this large flat roof that 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 the uh the wholesale flower business used uh used to to occupy um and myself and my friend ty the two of us set off to to grow some vegetables on on the roof so it's it's about just over six thousand square feet uh which by you know farm standards is tiny but by uh large flat roof standards is quite large um and yeah it enabled us i guess to 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 get a to get a start on, on growing quite a, a large variety of crops and different different types of, of vegetables and fruits and herbs and um, all in 
raised beds, which we made in the early days, um, from reclaimed timber and, and pallets and things like that. And, um, so it was really a, a, a dive into the unknown, I guess, for us in the beginning. Wow. And was it very much something you had done before or was this just something you decided you wanted to do? Like, were you anyway familiar with growing veg up until kind of lockdown hit? No, I mean, I, I, I certainly uh, wouldn't have had any notion of, say, commercial growing of, of food or vegetables. Um, my father would have had, a, you know, a domestic uh, homestead plot out the back of our garden um that he would have grown the you know the basics and the staples in every summer or whatever mm-hmm. um and that would have been the 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 majority of my exposure to any form of of vegetable growing so this was um quite a a deep uh, deep plunge into what we were the unknown i guess um but it it turned out to be um a great one and i mean it it is I guess from day one we were documenting everything on on social media and Instagram and that's really where it kind of grew legs I guess because people uh, resonated with the story and it it it, it kind of hit a chord. Um, I suppose that we were trying to do something positive at a time when there was a lot of negative news going on around you know um and trying to make the best of the situation um and yeah it, it grew into something quite quite um unexpected um and now is a fully fledged business i guess yeah i mean you're right and myself and dermot when we were doing our instagrams during lockdown uh that dermot first spotted you guys uh online and that's how i first became aware of what you did down there and we did go down to visit it and it is extraordinary uh going down to the middle of cork city center and standing up on this huge as you say for a flat roof standard it's pretty huge um and being in the middle of this kind of oasis of a veg garden uh and yeah when you yeah. got all this, you know, up and running and you got everything going, what did you then, I mean, you suddenly have lots and lots of veg that you have to do something with, I guess. That was your <laughs> next problem, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, again, when we started, we had no concept of, okay, how much veg do we grow for ourselves? So we, we kind of went, we shot way past that point. Um, <laughs> Fairly quickly. Uh, and yeah. Uh, so I think we had maybe a hundred tomato plants, which was ridiculous for, for two people. So we, we started, um, selling to, to local restaurants that were open nearby. Um, and I suppose in, in the first year, then we, there's a farmer's market that, uh, is on every Saturday on the coal key there, which is runs literally adjacent to the rooftop farm building. So we would harvest the crops from the rooftop, bring them down the building and set up a, a stall out the front on the street and sell our, sell our veg to, to the people who, who came to the farmer's market. So it literally had kind of zero, zero food miles, I guess. The lowest um, possible food miles in the world. Uh, it yeah. went downstairs basically. <laughs> it was the only trip it yeah. made. Um, it, it, that's, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was, um, you know, as sustainable as it could get in that regard. Um, and, you know, we, we, I suppose for that space, we were kind of figuring, well, how can we make this, how can we make a go of this, uh, from a business standpoint? Is it possible to make a go of this from a business standpoint? Um, and we, we started, one of the first things we did is we, we put a, a, a large polycarbonate, uh, 
tunnel on the rooftop and we, we fill that tunnel with uh, aeroponic tar- towers that allow us to grow quite a lot of food in a very small space so they're allowing us to grow vertically and and make the most of the square footage we have on on the rooftop um and for and anyone who doesn't know an aeroponic tower it's basically like a big uh, it looks like a boiler nearly in a way a big white uh, tower but yeah. down the side of the tower is covered i've seen them in veg i guess is that and they grow water or they grow in water or in air is that how they actually grow yeah, so the the roots themselves are suspended in air, and there's a, a a tank at the bottom of each tower which has like the nutrients and the water, and that pumped to the top and trickles down and hydrates and feeds the plants. So we we we'd have just under four and a half thousand plants in that that small space, and that allows us to grow a healthy amount of of leafy greens and salads, which is the predominant crops that we grow in in, in the towers, um, and then. Uh, we have raised beds outside which would grow a certain amount but again wouldn't be say ec- you know economically sustainable to 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 uh, from a business standpoint but we we saw that's why we started uh also growing on 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 land then as well you know so we kind of pushed our our our, our ourselves a bit further i was going to say uh, the project really did grow legs because uh, now not only do you have uh, a rooftop farm uh, but you have a market garden you've got your own crop of chickens you're starting to do courses you're sort of um really uh, opening and expanding uh, this kind of small venture that came out of as you say the darkest of days in lockdown into this thriving business um which is very cool to see so you've got a market garden on the go which is producing i guess lots of these uh, veg that you're now selling uh, on a much bigger scale than you would have in the city yeah so we 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 linked in with a, a farmer quite quite close to the city city bounds um and uh, he offered us a plot on his farm uh, and we we put in a no dig market garden so we don't till or or, or dig this or turn over the sod we we keep uh, we've created these permanent beds that we use that and uh, that we grow in and we we've been growing uh, on average 35 to 40 different crops in, in that market garden per year um and we we've done that and funded that with a, a method of of what do you call it a csa so a community supported agriculture so basically we um had people uh, forward fund the the farm itself by subscribing to for 20 weeks of worth of, of of a share of vegetables from from the market garden and that allowed us to get the the capital i guess to 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 start off that market garden um and to get it going and uh, so to get you know the, the tools the seeds the compost the 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 polytunnels all that kind of stuff that was all that was all funded through the CSA um cool. and that's been running that's running into its third year now this year uh, that's the most wholesome investment uh, idea i've ever heard so you invest money and you get paid in return it's like a <laughs> win-win situation yeah. for anyone <laughs> um but uh, in our first year i guess it was a it was a, a daunting challenge i guess because we had all these people who had put their um their their faith in us to deliver and we'd never done anything like this before on us on scale so it was quite a um you know it was overwhelming i guess in one way but we 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 had 
we had all these people who had put their faith in us to deliver and we, we had to deliver, you know? Yeah. And you, well, so, luckily uh, you had the rooftop farm to sort of as your starting point and you had, um, correct. lots of other knowledge too. I know you've taken in, uh, various different, uh, or you don't take in, but you've, um, got advice from well-known people, the likes of Charles Dowding. Anyone who's interested in no dig should definitely have a look at what he's up to. And you have him coming over. Is that right to you? Yeah. So, um, we Charles is 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 like he's he's a no dig guru I guess yeah. um, and we connected I guess over the last few years and I'm and I know yourself and uh, Dermot have spoken to him a few times and he's he's a, an incredibly generous man with his time and he's he's coming over to us at the end of July and doing two one day courses on no dig market gardening uh, in in both of our market gardens so we've we've started a second market garden this year um and he's going to do one out at our market garden in Laherne and a second one day course in our market garden near White's Cross just on the outskirts of Cork City wow you don't stop uh, you keep going um and going. do you have plans for the future Brian or do you have other ideas is it this is it or have you got lots of other things in the pipeline yeah, no, we've, we, only last week we were, we got planning permission, uh, to put a restaurant on the rooftop farm. So we've, we've been planning this for the best part of 18 months, I guess, um, in, in conjunction with another well established restaurateur in Cork City. And yeah, we've, we, we hope to have it all built and open before the end of the summer, hopefully, but with construction and building jobs, you never know how they're, they're going to go. So we're, we're, we're part renovate. Well, we're renovating the building adjacent to the rooftop itself and um, just over our farm shop. And we're building an extension to, to provide a, an area for the restaurant. So big plans for the summer ahead. Um, there. So it's all, it's all. So I'll go. Yeah, lots happening. Uh, as I said, you don't sit still. Um, and whenever, if anyone wants to look up Cork Rooftop Farm, they're on Instagram and what you're doing there is just mind boggling because every time you turn around, you've got something else up your sleeve. Um, it's really inspiring to see. It's great to see some urban space being used to grow veg and then all these other things that have came out of it. So, uh, Brian McCarty of Cork Rooftop Farm, thank you very much for coming along with us here tonight and talking to us. Uh, now, before Thanks. we head over, I'm going to go and go to a little audio that I did earlier on in the week with Beam in Bagnallstown. I spoke to John Murphy over there. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. So I'm here in Bagnallstown in Carlow and I've met with John Murphy and we are standing in the back garden of Beam. Uh, so John, just give us a bit of an insight into Beam, into this garden. We've just had a wander around it. I've, it's the first time I've really seen the garden in detail and it's a series of gardens. I can't call it one garden. It's a whole uh, series of gardens. So where are we first? And can you explain to me a little bit about Beam before we go any further? Okay. Uh, Paul, th- thanks and you're, you're very welcome. We, um, we are in Beam. Beam is a training centre for people with intellectual disabilities. Uh, and we've been on this site since 2003. Um, the the site is situated right beside the um, the the river, 
and it's an ideal site. It's a kind of a gifted one, if you like. And it was also gifted to us by the Presentation Sisters, um, you know, for the, the building of a new centre for people with intellectual uh, disabilities. So we're very lucky to have such a, a valuable site. But I suppose it was up to us then to make that function for both the benefit of the people attending the service and in the wider community uh, of Bagnestown. Um, so that's what where we are and that's why we're here. And you called it the Barrow Experience. That's the name that this garden uh, was given. So that's... Yeah. Well, there was one of the one of the board members actually were trying to think of a name for it one night, and one of the board members came up with the name, the Barrow Experience. He said, "We're it's almost like you're having an experience." He said, "What you're what you're uh, uh, explaining there." I was talking about the different designs for the garden, and he said, "Why not call it the Barrow Experience?" And the Barrow Experience it, it is. So we, he was right. I think it's, everything is an experience, and we'd like to think that when people come in, they they you know have a journey through the garden and they pick up something from it that maybe they didn't know or some of the aesthetics in the garden Paul are, are to their liking and that's we've done our job I think if that's the case you know during the daytime our service is a therapeutic and a working environment for the members attending the service but for the second part of the of the equation was to build up um, a tourism attraction both for the service to obviously offset a bit of cost but also for the community of Bagnestown who have been so good and so generous in supporting the project. So it's a multifunctional place for everybody, which is great. Uh, let's have a quick walk around outside and have a look. Thanks. So we've just stepped out. You can probably just about hear the water behind us. The birds are singing, but we are. It's a car driving past there. We are in the corner of Bagnestown, really, here, aren't we? Yeah, uh, yes, yes. Um, so, John, this garden and this idea, it sort of sprang from... How did it come about? Was there something that kind of spurred off the idea to create this series of gardens? Well, it, it, there there was. I mean, first of all, we, we thought as a as a service we had a lot of valuable ground around the building which was at that time just in a in a lawn Paul you know and it wasn't doing anything for anybody really um, and then we sat down with the board and we talked about uh, some um, you know innovative ways of looking at the garden to kind of future proof the service if you like and we drafted a um, we drafted a brief for the garden and it had two purposes one that the garden or gardens as it turned out had to be um, you know sort of therapeutic in nature uh, for the people attending the service so it had to be a therapeutic both leisurely uh, activity but also a working activity and the second part of that was that it it would be part uh, in the future of a tourism project for the town that with other stakeholders would build and renew tourism uh, in the area and especially as a lot of the and not a lot all the monies that have gone into this the funding has come from the local community wow wow so there's a whole how it's wow and i mean walking around here it's incredible to think that because uh what you've created here in just 20 years i suppose mm-hmm. is a uh incredible series of small little rooms small little garden spaces and you mentioned about you know the local community involvement and there's lots of hints to the locality in all these little garden spaces aren't there as you go around well, there is. Well, it's for my sins. I mean, I was I designed it on the on the basis of the Barrow Valley to try and produce uh, some little you know accolade that's 
that has been either forgotten or is likely to be forgotten about that. So it's the history folklore of the Barrow Valley probably built in or hopefully built into an attractive aesthetic environment that people can, you know, be, it'd be nice to look at. But at the same token, they would learn something as they go through the, um, through the gardens. So that's the whole idea. Well, I have to say, I've learned a lot walking around here. So let's have a quick look up the top of the garden here for a yeah. minute. So we've uh, just popped in here to one of the many little small gardens here on the site and John was saying to me there earlier that all the gardens here are kind of reflective of an average suburban garden that most people would have in their own back garden. So none of the gardens here feel out of proportion or out of scale but this one has a, a nod to France so it's the French garden. Is that right John? French garden, yes. yeah, And it's, it's, it's unusual because uh, most people who think of French gardens they think of the Palace of Versailles and, and so on and uh, you know a French garden is about 40 or 50 acres. We didn't have that Paul so we had a small as you said small suburban uh, size garden for to, to uh, design it. So all I've done here is a, a, a very simplistic French style uh, garden with the two beds at each side of a water feature uh, with the lavender in the centre and box hedging around the side. But the interesting thing, and people say, oh, why is the French garden there? And the French garden is there to really to remember uh, Walter um, Bagnell, who had uh, ambitious des- uh, for to design the town of Bagnestown on the town of Versailles in France. And uh, his idea was to uh, work on a commercial basis to make it a commercial hub uh, and to divert the mail train, a mail coach from Dublin to Waterford through Bagnestown instead of through Lachlan Bridge. Unfortunately, it didn't work. So apart from a couple of buildings that are outstanding on the old gridded system of New Versailles, uh, Walter had to settle for calling it Bagnestown. Well, it explains a lot why anyone who, and lots of people are familiar with Bagnellstown, you drive around and it's a grid-like system and yeah. there's a, co- a courthouse and a couple of buildings here from that. So mm-hmm. that explains why, how Bagnellstown came to be and that's yeah. a hint and a nod to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other the other side of that was that, you know, if you look at the, um, the Bagnellstown, it, it bamboozles people at times because not alone had you got, or at one stage, New Versailles, but you also had before that, Washington Green, you had Money Beg, you had Bagnestown, and you had Money of York. So if you, you take your pick. <laughs> what, what, what name to choose? Yeah. <laughs> Rename it again. <laughs> so this is, as you said, a beautiful garden in a beautiful spot here, right by the River Barrow. Uh, but of course, it has its main function in the building behind us here and in the service users who use this garden on a daily basis, John. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, we, we are currently, um, Paul, we've over um, 75 people attending the service, so in, in different locations around the, the area. So it's quite a lot of uh, people. So when we were doing this, I suppose, some 10, 12 years ago in, in earnest, we were trying to future-proof it. We were trying to build something that was going to mature enough to be an attractive and uh, a secure uh, sensory environment for the people that were going to be attending the service. At that stage, we didn't know we were going to have that number of people in it, but you always have to, I suppose, build uh, for the future. So the, the therapeutic environment, as you can, you know, look down along the garden, the idea behind it is there's only an acre of, of ground in it, but my idea behind it was to try and create the illusion of space, that you had little areas where people can venture into and be safe in and be, be sort of secluded in. And I think that is now paying, paying huge dividends for that. So, uh, you know, 
it was a good investment, both from the board's point of view, from the community's point of view, and now it's doing what it says on the tin. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great asset to everyone who uses this and as well to people in the locality to come and venture to. And with that in mind, how can anyone listening here support or uh, come along and help out what Beamer are doing here? Well, the the idea, uh, um, I say, unfortunately, last month I retired, so <laughs> so I the board will be will be planning where where the garden goes in the future. But the whole idea behind this was to, you know, put something in place that was, as I said, a therapeutic environment, uh, long term for the members and so on, but also to be uh, a competitive tourism attraction for the area. And with the inclusion of our, our beautiful garden room, that we would have functions in this um, garden at weekends and evening time and especially in the summer that would generate funds to offset fundraising for the service as well. So it was a, a it was a two-pronged approach to that and thankfully so far it's doing that but I suppose how people can support they can support it by spreading the news that it's going to that it's here first of all and that it's going to be open and just watch out for the events that are going to be on in it and support them and if I could just sorry Paul if I could just make a point just now that I am retired on that to just thank the people and the community of Bagginstown because they put the gardens where it is it was fundraising we got no grant aid towards this garden. So everything we fundraise through the local community and I would like to um, really and truly thank the people of Bagnestown and the community for their un- unnerving support for this throughout the, the last 20 years. Without them this wouldn't be here and they're a marvellous community. Well John it's a credit to yourself and to all those people in the community that made this place happen and I would encourage anyone who's never been over to this corner of Bagnestown to come along and have a look at what's happening here in the Barrow Experience in Beam. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie And welcome back to The Garden Show. Now, every week on The Garden Show, I give you one of my plants of the week. And I've talked about trees a good bit, so I'm going to give you one final tree before I move on to other plants. But the one I want to talk about today are crab apples. Uh, Crab apples are interesting. Uh, Small trees, kind of compact, um, and give you long season of interest. Uh, For a long time, they've been known as a symbol of fertility and a forager's delight. Uh, They've also got associations with love and marriage, and its small hard fruits also make uh, the most fantastic jelly. really high in pectin so if you are into making preserves and jams and jellies crab apple are a great addition to any of them it's a native tree or well nearly native um it's great for wildlife in terms of it flowers uh, really prolifically so this time of the year they are covered a bit like the cherry blossoms covered in flower from top to bottom and of course in the autumn time they are covered in their little jewel like uh, like christmas baubles of um their fruits uh, which really are top to bottom on most trees uh, i drove out past paulstown I think last Christmas and there's a few on the side of the road there and they really are stunning uh, for a couple of weeks leading up to Christmas they're also one of the few host trees to the parasitic mistletoe uh, so one of the trees that you might find mistletoe growing on would be crab apple or indeed just a normal domestic apple so uh, an interesting one a couple of good varieties to look out for uh, Jelly King, Red Centile, Everest and one that I really love called Rudolph which has got bright bright pink flowers this time of the year followed by a purple foliage and then the most amazing deep red apples later on in the year. Now, every week on The Garden Show, we have an expert in from the team at the Arboretum. This week is no exception, and over on the line we have Anne Sinnott, who is the plant manager at the Arboretum Kilquade. Anne, how are you doing? 
Hi, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, this time of year, we're all thinking about uh, getting out and starting to plant a few bits and pieces. Uh, frost is sort of nearly um, a distant memory, so we can start thinking about our planters and hanging baskets, beds and borders. Is that right? That's it, yeah. Hopefully now frost is gone at this stage. I think everybody would be delighted to see it gone. Yeah, absolutely. We had um, the last couple of nights there, I noticed there's a few magnolia trees in the garden that I work and they got a little bit of a hit there last week. We had one or two coldish nights. So uh, hopefully, Mm. pretty much uh, we can say that from kind of the next week or two, frost should be pretty much gone. It seems the weather is looking up. So uh, it means we can start looking at getting plants out. Um, What is it then we can start planting in terms of uh, plants into containers at this time of the year then? Um, well, into containers uh, for summer colour, we'd have lots of choice in summer bedding. So whether you're doing hanging baskets or just standalone pots, we'd have lots of patio plants like geraniums and basket plants like bacopa and pita, all things like that that are going to give you a great display over the summertime. And in terms of what we can grow in a container, are there limits? Is there kind of a, can you grow up pretty much any plant in a container if you give it the right conditions? Well, you can, but I, I would say be limited by size. I mean, you can grow like big specimen plants in big containers, but you're going to be limited to a point where, you know, can you provide care for plants that big? Um, so it's it depends on what size your container is really and what you want to grow in it. Um, but you can certainly grow lots of, of shrubs in pots very happily. Uh, Japanese maples would be one of the ones uh, that would be very happy in pots and very successful. So it just depends on what you want to grow. Yeah, but don't be limited, basically, if you don't have a huge amount of growing space in the ground, uh, in their you know, backyard or whatever, you can certainly grow, as you say, most things provided that you're sensible enough. Uh, we wouldn't recommend putting that in like an oak tree into a container, but certainly, no. uh, yeah, <laughs> if you're in some way sensible, and even small trees can work in containers, but as you say, yeah. uh, the bigger the plant, the more looking after it's going to need. So kind of think sensibly and think smaller when you're looking at containers. Yeah, exactly. And if you're prepared to look after the plant in terms of watering, in terms of refreshing the compost, uh, you'll have better success as well. And as a rule, uh, I know most of this time of year people are looking at annuals and bedding plants. Do they do better in pots than in the borders or is that purely down to how you look after them? It's really down to how you look after them. Um, Annuals can do very well in pots and very well in the ground also. Um, But most people would be very familiar with growing them into pots. So putting in the likes of, uh, you know, as I said, geraniums or marguerite chrysanthemums, things like that into pots um, and looking after them, keeping them, keeping them deadheaded, keeping them fed, keeping them watered over the summertime. So it's all about, again, picking the right plant. And uh, I know I'd be guilty of leaving a plant, especially an annual, out in a kind of bed or border and neglecting it. So it's really about giving it that little extra bit of care. Uh, We sort of say that annual plants can be kind of divas. They give you a great show, but they do need, I guess, that little extra uh, push or a little more care than other plants. They can do. If you want to get the absolute best out of them, you want to be giving them, uh, you know, the tomato feeds every couple of weeks deadheading them um, and just making sure that you don't put them under stress with watering, that you're regular with your watering um, so they're always at their best. 
And with that in mind, I suppose, you know, not every single type of bedding plant would be suitable for the ground. So I'm thinking here of the likes of, you know, the trailing petunias and some of those training or trailing, I should say, uh, pelagoniums or geraniums. They're more suited for containers and hanging baskets, I guess. Yes, they would be. The Serfinia petunias obviously are a real popular one that people are familiar with. Um, they're trailing, so obviously they need to go into either a big pot where they can trail down the side or window boxes or, or hanging baskets. They're obviously not going to be happy uh, on the ground. They need to have that, that drop. But those those Serfinia petunias are fantastic in, in baskets. And they really do. They give you um, months of flower. Like you plant them now, they'll start flowering very, very soon. And quite literally until we get a frost, which, you know, as our seasons change a little bit, can go the whole way through to October, November time. Uh, so you well, do get great it, value yeah. for money, don't you? Absolutely. And especially in Ireland, people forget that we have quite mild autumns, um, especially, as you said, at the end of the year. So plants can keep going right up into November with their colour. Yeah, um, it really is, you know, even, you know, into early December, depending on the year, it just varies so much. But, you know, November can be a lovely time in the garden. I know that you get all the autumnal colour, but if you are prepared to look after the baskets and your uh, beds and borders, they can really uh, extend the season as well. So, uh, yes, and, and also that's why there's, there's no rush in getting your baskets and containers done, because if even if you, you haven't started, it's not too late. And if you're doing it into May, uh, you'll get a longer season out of it then they'll last that little bit longer. Yeah, very true. Good point, actually. Uh, rather than getting in early, you just get it at the other end mm. of the season instead. Yeah. And when it comes to t- talking particularly containers here, uh, compost, should you be quite uh, vigilant about the type of compost that you use and what you put into them? Well, you would need to be careful. First of all, you'd need to make sure you're replacing the compost. So it's always fresh compost when you're planting annuals and summer bedding. Um, you can use a container um, compost which would have a wetting agent mixed through it and extra nutrients and it's relatively lightweight, it's peat free um, so that would be a really good one to use um, and then you could use any other multi-purpose compost a, a lot of them now are peat free um, and it, as long as they're lightweight you can't use um, a heavy soil based compost it's just not practical say for example in hanging baskets um, but if you're adding in a wetting agent like the uh, water retaining gel, that's fantastic as well. That can uh, make the compost very efficient and uh, well able to hold on to the moisture. And you mentioned there the hanging baskets, and I know I sent you questions earlier and I was uh, asking, are hanging baskets really worth the effort? Because I've, uh, as I said, I'm not maybe the most vigilant of gardeners when it comes to looking after plants, and I have failed numerous times with them. Um, are they really worth it? And is there any tips you have for people to keep their hanging baskets looking absolutely at their best? Um, well, they are worth it, uh, the, you know, but you do have to be prepared to look <laughs> after them. Um, and you just have to be careful about where you choose to put them. I would always say don't put them in a windy spot and make sure that you can reach them. There's no point in hanging them yeah. off the edge of the house where you can't reach them to look after them, water them. So even if they're a little bit lower down with a longer chain, um, as long as you can reach them and mine them and feed them and water them, yeah, they're they're definitely worth it because they they give a sort of another um, dimension to the to the garden. 
And they do. I mean, I know uh, the Arboretum down in Lachlan Bridge and Lachlan Bridge Village, they have hanging baskets and uh, even bags of flowers on the walls there. And they do look fantastic, the village, when it's mm. in bloom. It's really, uh, it's a sight to see, really, as you drive through in the middle of summer. So it's it's worth putting that little bit of effort in. And But that's the key. Uh, it's, it's like we said before, it's all about maintaining it and the watering. And with that in mind, are there ways to make watering easier? Is there a way to sort of, not cheat, but maybe make it a little bit easier for someone who doesn't want to go lug and watering cans around the place? Yeah, by, by using that water retaining gel, that, that really is a fantastic product. Um, it's just like, it's like a little bag of sugar almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you add the crystals to the compost uh, and mix it through, once the water is added, that will turn into a gel that holds on to water. Um, and that makes a huge difference in hanging baskets because, as everybody knows, hanging baskets dry out very, very fast. So it's just really important to use that gel um, and that's going to make things a lot easier. Um, but also to buy maybe a longer lance for the end of your hose so that you can reach up easier into the hanging basket to get the water in. Um, and don't be afraid to water that nearly every day in the summertime and let the water run through it uh, so it gets a good soak. Absolutely. Um, well, we're just going to take a very quick break and we'll be back to you, Anne, in a few minutes to talk more about baskets, borders and everything to do with the plants there. The Garden Show on KCLOR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie and welcome back to The Garden Show. On the line here, I have Anne Sinnott, plant manager at the Arboretum in Kilquade. And we're just chatting a little bit about, you know, plants for your borders, your containers, your baskets. Uh, but we haven't really spoke much about the borders and the beds. So not everyone obviously grows plants in containers. Some of us have are lucky enough to have a bit of space in the ground. So when it comes to those borders, Anne, what is it we should be looking at doing them in them this time of the year? Well, this time of year, again, it's it's a perfect time of year to be looking at your border and kind of getting ahead of the maintenance that you need to do. Um, it's I love this time of year because everything has just come up and everything just looks real perfect, just about to emerge. Um, but it's easy to get in at the border. So you can start putting in your plant supports uh, for any plants that are going to need that little bit of help in staying upright. Um, so there's a huge range of different plant supports that you can use, uh, you know, circular mesh things that you can put around your plants uh, so they can grow up through it and, and keep themselves upright or bamboo canes even for certain taller things. Um, some people like to chop back perennials at this time of year. Um, some listeners might have heard of the, the Chelsea chop Um I don't know if you're a fan of it. I'm not really a fan. Um, it's but hard to do because the garden is looking so <laughs> lovely and you go in with a pair of shears and you ruin it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So maybe you could pick one plant and experiment with it and see if it works. Um, but it's basically just chopping back some of the plants like lavender or phlox or campanulas and just chopping them back to the ground. It's very counterintuitive. Um, and then letting them grow up and the idea is that they'll get a lot stronger and more sturdy and give a better display. Um, but I would say get in with your support, get in with some um, slow-release fertiliser um, or chicken manure pellets um, and get in with some farmyard manure to mulch around plants so you're always adding to the soil the whole time. And, and now is a good time to, to do it, not digging anything in, just mulching in around all your, your shrubs and perennials. 
that's a great tip and we do forget mm. that as gardeners you know especially if we have a border with lots and lots of stuff in it we do tend to um pack in plants and because of that we're asking a lot of our soil we're putting in probably far more plants than the soil can sustain so adding in that bit of manure or adding in whatever you can to just improve and to add a bit of nutrition really helps you get the most out of it doesn't it Yes, definitely. I'd always say that to people, don't forget about your soil, that whenever you're planting something, buy a bag of manure and throw it in, use the whole lot, add it into the hole, add it around, and it makes such a difference to the soil, it keeps it very healthy. Yeah, and if you're planting as well, that's another tip to um, add as you're planting into the ground as well, not just you know on top, but also when you're putting new stuff yes. in. And it's yeah. a good time of year, I guess, to go out and to fill a few gaps, if you do have gaps in your garden with perennials and all sorts of bits and pieces, right? Oh yeah, definitely. We have a fantastic array of cottage garden plants or perennials or herbaceous plants uh, to put in now. Um, you know, there's there's lots of alliums coming into flower at the moment. Lovely big showy bulbs that flower in the early summertime. There's lots of campanulas. There's catmints that people love. There's there's all sorts um, to plant in at this time, and it's not too late to get planting. Um, as long as you're prepared to look after whatever you plant from now in terms of watering and um, they'll get through the summer very well. And that's the point actually you mentioned there the alliums and the catmint and that's a combination that I love together because alliums if anyone's ever grown them they're beautiful their flowers are mm. absolutely exquisite but their foliage can be just that little bit tatty as it starts to die back but if you're clever with how you plant it and you plant it in a border with the like of catmint at the bottom of it what happens is the catmint foliage covers up the allium leaves and basically the flowers pop up through it and as soon as the alliums start to finish the catmints come into flower so you have that Called the idea of succession again, isn't it? You keep getting something in flower pretty much all through the season. And that's it, yeah. Just as well, Anne, is it a bit too late to be thinking about starting a brand new border if we decided to go out, take an ocean, and dig a corner of the garden up? Is it too late, or is that still a perfectly uh, acceptable thing to do at this time of the year? No, I don't, I don't think it's too late. Um, again, I would start with adding to the soil first with your farmyard manure. Um, well rotted, uh, get that in there um, and then plant away and as I said, if you're if you're prepared to look after it in terms of watering, um, you're good to go. Like you could easily put in a very simple uh, porous hose in through the border that you can connect up to your tap, you can put it on a timer or you can just switch it on and let it water and um, that would be the real key thing if you want to start planting now, is the watering in the growing season. Yeah, we do forget. I know we have our wet springs and occasionally wet summers, but uh, we do also have dry spells and the last couple of years have shown that. So it's important Mm. to keep an eye on the watering. And just uh, as we finish up there, Anne, uh, for a new gardener, someone who is uh, all new to this, who's not done much before, do you have any tips? Um, You know, it can be a little bit overwhelming uh, if you go into a garden centre or if you're looking at starting a new border or a bed. Is there any tips you have for somebody who's starting off afresh, basically? Um, yeah, well, we would get lots of new gardeners in coming in here into the Arboretum in Kilquade. And uh, I would just say to people, just come and talk to us, whether it's in Kilquade or in Carlow, come and talk to us. Uh, we're experienced horticulturists. We can give you advice. Bring in your, your photos on your phone and uh, we can help you. And what I would say to people is, let's just take it a little bit at a time. Um, You don't have to look at getting everything done all in one go. We just do a little bit at a time. And if you are completely new to it, I would say 
have a look at the garden, get to know where the sun is in the evening time, where it is in the morning time, decide, am I going to put in a patio? Get that done first um, or put in your barbecue area um, and then start looking at uh, the, the rest of the planting. Yep, absolutely. Um, great tips there. Always a great idea. And the other thing I always say to people, uh, have a look at what your neighbours are growing. Uh, you know, have a peek mm. over the fence, see what's happening around you, because that'll tell you a lot about what will grow and what you like, basically, in the locality. Yes, absolutely. So, Anne Sinnott uh, of the Arboretum in Kilquaid, thank you very much for joining us this week on The Garden Show. Um, that is pretty much it for us this week here on The Garden Show. Uh, we will get around next week to some more of your answer or your uh, questions, the answers to all of your questions and we're going to play out with uh, George Ezra's Green Green Grass tonight. But she moves like lightning and she counts to three and she turns out all the lights and says she's coming for me and I put your hands up this is a heist and there's no one in here living gonna make it out alive Load it up when the sun comes down Get away, call for two young lovers Me and the girls straight out of town Over the hills and undercover, undercover, undercover She said, green, green girls, blue, blue sky You better throw a party on the day that I die Show on KCL or with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools, and treatments. Arboretum.ie.